Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is church income in 2019. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles and crochet hook. I promise not to make this too boring. And join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Dawn Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, there's a very real reason why we're doing this. Yeah, there why is. Why is this topic the topic? This topic is the topic because it feels like church finances are being wonky this year. Okay. In a way that is different than other years. Okay. And oftentimes when that happens, people start to hear stories from the past playing in their head. We'll never have enough. We'll never be good enough. Sure. The end of the world. The sky is falling kind of stuff. And there are some really unique reasons why this year, 2019, is actually different okay. than historical years. Well, let's take a little bit of a step back and let's talk about where do you start? How do you get to be a church in the financial world? When you set this up, how do you go about doing that? So I haven't been a part of a church start. Okay. So some of this I may not get completely accurate. So if there are church planters out there who know this better than I do, please feel free to correct me. It's totally okay. Absolutely. But one of the things that you do is you file with the Secretary of State as a nonprofit 501c3 religious organization. Okay. And you have to keep your articles of incorporation and keep all of that on file with the Secretary of State so that it is clear that you are a religious organization within the state of Oregon or whatever state you okay. are currently in. So from the start, up front, nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Religious affiliation. Absolutely. Okay. And we did that, I think, I was just looking at the Articles of Incorporation just to make sure that everything was up to date, and ours was way back in the 1920s, I want to say. I okay. mean, it, it was a while back. Okay. So this is not a new thing. It's a mm -hmm. longstanding mm -hmm. setup from the start, and in most churches that you're going to come across probably have done it a long time ago, depending on when the church was formed. Right. And hopefully have maintained that at the state level and done the work that you need to do to keep all of that current. Okay. That's part and parcel of the business side, the not so fun side of being church is that you need to pay attention to those things. Okay. So you've set up your finances, mm -hmm. you're out there loud and proud as a nonprofit and religiously affiliated. Mm -hmm. Where are you getting your money? Is it all from passing on the plate on Sunday morning or does something come from the ELCA, the main church itself? Good question. Historically, many churches have relied fully just on plate offering Wow, for their giving and for their annual budgets. And I would say that for most congregations, the plate offering still makes up the majority of their annual budget. Oh, really? Absolutely. Ours does. And for many congregations, the offering in the plate is the vast majority of their annual giving budget, their annual kind of income budget. Okay. Including ours. Definitely here at Central, that is our primary income source. But the beginning of the 21st century, things started to shift. Okay. And we're seeing a faster shift every year right now. Okay. Where diversifying your income stream is kind of the name of the game. We're looking for multiple different ways to bring in income into organizations. Sure. Mainly because congregations are shrinking, correct? Congregations are declining and there's a major shift in affluence and how money is held and who has it Okay, that is happening right now. So if you look at the demographics across the United States, we're talking North America, 
There is wealth held by those in their 70s and 80s. Okay. That will never be accumulated or held by those in their 20s and 30s. Oh, wow. We've touched on this in a podcast fairly recently, but it's still a shocking and somewhat sad (laughs) little bit of information for those of us not 70. I know. But the kind of investments that people were able to make in their 20s who are now 70 and 80 are not the kind of investments that people in their 20s and 30s can make now. No, we're still dealing with student debt loan. Exactly. Or medical expenses that prevent us from being able to buy that first home or make those initial investments into some kind of saving or stock. Sure. And so the wealth accumulation progress for those who are in their 20s and 30s will never match the wealth accumulation of those in their 70s and 80s. Okay. So we have this large amount of wealth held by older generations, and they are giving beautifully. Sure. I mean, they are incredibly generous. It's beautiful and it's awesome. And reality shows that in the next 5, 10, 15 years, those individuals will have higher medical costs. Sure. They will possibly be selling their homes and moving into care facilities that are more expensive. Sure. And eventually... They're just dying. They will die. Uh Uh-huh. And there may be an incredible estate gift that comes to a congregation Because they have had foresight and forethought and pre-planned in their generosity and have given a legacy gift that is incredible. Yeah, but you don't rely on that. But you only get one of those. Yeah. And then we're done, right? So with this kind of projection of a major shift in financial giving capacity over the next 5, 10, definitely 15 years, congregations are looking at how to diversify their income stream, not rely simply upon those who are able to give into the plate or electronically or however we give. Sure. So there are some grants from national that are available. It is possible to get a grant from the ELCA churchwide or whatever denominational structure someone is from. Okay. But it's one piece of the puzzle. Okay. And then there's building use income. So... Outside organizations that are also nonprofit that come in and utilize the space and participate in the community and pay in and share utility costs with us. Mm -hmm. That's another way that we offset our budget. Those are the kinds of income streams that help. But again, the primary donation stream for most mainline denominations come from individuals who are 60 and older. And that's between 50 and 60% of almost all congregations' income stream. Oh, man. That's amazing. Now, I remember at one point, somebody that I knew who was very closely affiliated with the church had an opinion, I think, that many people share in terms of what should be the driving force of the church and that you should be operating in the red, that you should be giving and it's that kind of mentality Mm. that you like saint francis i don't want to accumulate anything for myself i'm out there helping the poor helping the needy in that kind of vein sure yeah which is a great goal and yet you still want to pay the wonderful people who are doing the work for you correct right and there is that fine line so there's this tension for example central lutheran we have been informed that we will be receiving an estate gift of substance okay and We need to recognize 
that just to stuff that into a bank account somewhere does not put to good use sure this gift that we have been given well planning for the future is great but and it's more than just socking in a bank account exactly and so how can we leverage this designated gift mm-hmm. for work and ministry and bringing about god's kingdom and proclaiming jesus in the world in a way that is has integrity to the gift and respects it While we are still making certain that we are maintaining and managing our expenses, Mm -hmm. our very real administrative expenses, for which that gift does not necessarily assist us financially. Sure. So it's tension, right? A church with a whole lot of money in the bank isn't doing real ministry is kind of a saying. Sure. And having a couple of months of payroll... In the bank, so that when you hit it's something, nice, right? So when you hit something like we're hitting right now, you have some fallback. Exactly. So here's what's happening this year, 2019, and I'm saying that because I have no idea what 2020 is going to hold, and our sure. podcasts may be around for a while. So I'm going to sure. s- say this is 2019. The tax laws changed last year, so this is not something that Central is coming across as one in the dark this is probably most nonprofits mm-hmm. are feeling a similar issue i'm hearing this across the nonprofit industry not just in churches okay but across the nonprofit kind of world i have several friends who work in development which is the nice way of saying fundraisers sure so i have several friends who are incredible development officers in several nonprofits across the industry and there are lots of groups that are hitting this interesting stumbling block this year so Churches in particular, I think, are hit. But last year, the tax tables, we've heard about this. A lot of folks have heard about this. The tax tables last year were calculated incorrectly by the IRS. And so when people did their taxes this year in 2019 for 2018, there are people who owed money, substantial sums, between two and ten thousand dollars of back taxes due. You use the phrase calculated incorrectly. Was Mm -hmm. it truly calculated incorrectly or or the tax structure changed in a way that was calculated differently and we weren't anticipating it. Do you know? So what I have been told by folks who do taxes is that companies were told how much to withhold based upon your exclusions or whatever you filed on your W4, W2, whatever the right number there is. Sure. And... They withheld what the IRS told them to withhold for someone who has two exclusions or someone who has whatever. That was calculated incorrectly. Oh, the IRS told them numbers that were too low. Oh. And so for the year, they withheld, employers withheld too little for their employees. Oh, that's not the right way that works. And so this year, they get hit by a huge tax burden they were not anticipating. And they're still not fixed numbers for the next year that you've already started exactly. holding for. And so they've increased their withholding for this year while paying back last year's taxes. Ugh. And so I know folks who are paying 800 to $1,000 a month for last year's taxes, and then they've increased mm-hmm. their withholding so they don't get hit again next year. All of that means less capacity to give. Sure. Now, that's one piece of the puzzle. And it's a big piece of the puzzle Mm -hmm. for the givers under 55. I think that that's a huge part of the puzzle Yeah, as to why giving looks different this year in 2019 
than it has looked in the past. The other piece is this much higher, what is it, the standardized deduction? Mm -hmm. So that increased big time. So you get your big standardized deduction, which means most people don't breach that and get to itemized deductions. Yep. Well, I have been told very specifically by my tax preparer that I don't have to hold on to all the receipts for the things that you donate because it's not going to make a spitz worth a difference. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And because well, at least at the federal level, possibly at the state level, but that's such smaller monies when right. you're looking at it between the two. Right. And then all the business deductions that were taken away. Yep. So people aren't getting to that itemized deduction place on their taxes. So they aren't giving as much. Sure. Because there's not a tax benefit to give. Sure. Or they are planning on giving biannually. So they're saving their gift for Mm -hmm. a year to give Mm -hmm. it next year in order to get above that standardized deduction amount. So then they do get into itemized deduction. Every other year. Every other year. Which means that in the meantime, there's no income. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so there's another hit to giving patterns and what is shifting for churches and why giving is looking completely different this year. Our individuals who are older, who are retired, and who have retirement packages that they have to have an annual distribution, a required annual distribution amount from, Okay, it benefits them instead of giving on a regular basis uh-huh. out of their income, weekly into the plate or monthly into the plate, If they designate their annual required distribution to a nonprofit industry, then they don't have to pay taxes on that again. But they may only do that once a year. Mm. And so in February, for example, we got a very large check. We were really surprised and really excited. That was someone's annual donation. Uh Right? So So please don't count on that every time. Nope. Not going to come back again. One and done for the year. Oh, wow. So what these tax changes from 2018 have done, the giving pattern for the year is completely different than any other year. Which is fine if you know that's what it is and you can plan for it. But church giving is always difficult anyway, right? Income stream is always kind of up and down and summer months are usually low Mm because people are out gallivanting and... See, and here I was assuming that the possibilities now for all of the electronic transfers means it would smooth it out and you'd just be given every other week or whatever a certain amount of money. And that's why we ask people to sign (laughs) up for those, right? That's why OPB comes on and says, hey, let's do this from your bank account monthly, Mm -hmm. right? Automatic withdrawal. Right, those kinds of things, because it makes a huge difference in well, the sustainability and, and the you're significant not cash on people remembering to come to church every single week. Right, it's really hard. This is all part and parcel. We talk about how are we stewards of our faith, and how do we use the gifts that we have been given to build up the kingdom and to help God's work be done in our community. And funding it is a big part of it. And I would say, you know, there are lots of nonprofits out there having these conversations about the difference between funding ongoing maintenance budgets and general budgets versus funding only pet exciting projects. Mm -hmm. 
And there's a blog out there called Nonprofit AF, Nonprofit and Fabulous. Mm-hmm. And it's a wonderful blog, tongue in cheek, but real, having these conversations about how do we have a consistent funding for organizations, churches, nonprofits, advocacy institutions, groups that are really trying to change our cultural understanding of how we are community together uh-huh. and how we change our world, how we create safe and welcoming communities, how do we stand up to injustice, how do we do this work, how do we feed kids, Sure. how do we keep people clothed, how do we keep people housed, these kinds of organizations, how can we fund them equitably and consistently well and effectively right and effectively so that we can go about doing the work of changing our world for the better and as a person of faith as a christian leader jesus talks about money all the time mm-hmm. and it's not about give your money in order to be a good christian right that's mm. it's not about that but funding organizations like Central Lutheran, who works so hard to create spaces where people are safe and feel loved and can explore their faith and their spirituality, who can grow up in an environment where we get to send them to camp and give them a week where they feel safe and can be themselves for a week, right? Mm -hmm. All of these beautiful things that these kind of organizations do need financial backing in order to leverage the good in the world. And so when we have years like this with big tax law changes and the income flow is bumpy or really high one month and really low the next month and things are hard to figure out, it detracts and it distracts us from doing the work that we're called to do. Sure. So it's not a lack of stewardship. It's not a lack of planning. It's not a lack of trying. It's circumstances in the world, and it's a changing financial environment. And it's going to keep changing. Sure. And more and more churches are going to be facing this kind of challenge and difficulty, and more and more nonprofits are going to be finding these challenges. It's not an easy world out there right now. No, that's for sure. All right, that's going to lead me to my last question. What would you put your time into if you weren't so constantly worried about funding this year in particular? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I would be doing what most pastors and executive directors would be doing, which is the actual on-the-ground work. Sure. If I wasn't trying to fundraise or trying to monitor bank accounts and making certain that everybody could be paid and that programs have enough backing to be able to flourish. Sure. Yeah, I would be spending more time with students or reading more books to be able to bring them to the congregation and lead educational opportunities. Or if I wasn't making phone calls and trying to organize something, I would be doing one-to-ones and sitting and doing more visitation. But the other stuff, asking for money, that kind of thing, it normally ends up. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing is to keep the lights on and the doors open, right? That's right. And without the funding, that's just kind of impossible. It's hard to have Sunday morning worship if your building is closed. Yeah. Well, and it's not. We could have Sunday morning worship anywhere. And. And. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about church income. 
I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for listening in. I appreciate your time and your ears on this. If you have a question, a comment, or a concern, feel free to contact us at podcast at centralportland.org. If you are inspired and want to send a financial gift to thank us for things like our podcast ministry, you are welcome to go to centralportland.org slash gifts and send a financial contribution to Central Lutheran. We would be incredibly grateful for your generosity. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.